Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. This is Tracy Murda on behalf of Richard Jacobs here at Future Tech Podcast. Today, I am very uh, excited to welcome a special guest, the founder and CEO of Melonport, Mona Elisa. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mona. I appreciate your time. Hi, absolute pleasure to be here. Well, let's get started by first talking a little bit about what Melonport actually does. Um, and then we'll kind of jump into the rest of it with the the Ethereum blockchain and all of those things. Because it's actually a very, I just finished an article last night before I went to bed and knowing I had to do this interview um, on Ethereum yeah. and kind of its pros and cons. So it kind of fits nicely with the day. So why don't you go ahead and start awesome. and tell us about Melonport. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, Melonport is a company that my uh, business partner, Reto Trinkler, and I founded about um, almost a year and a half ago now. And uh, the idea behind Melonport is that we are developing a software called, we call it the Melon Protocol. And the protocol uh, is basically a software that enables asset managers to do four things using blockchain technology. The first thing is that it allows you to predefine the parameters by which you want your fund-like structure or um, VC-like structure to run. So you predefine rules and parameters um, using code, which is enforced by the blockchain. The second thing that the code allows you to do or the, the, the software allows you to do is to manage your fund-like structure within the pre-selected parameters. The third thing that the, the protocol we're building allows you to do is create a visible, auditable, and transparent track record on the blockchain due to the inherent characteristics that you, you kind of get from, from blockchain. And the fourth thing is it allows you to invest in other fund-like structures or allow other people to invest in your um, fund-like structure. So, so that's kind of the, the, the four things we're trying to enable with our software. And uh, the way it's kind of being built is um, we recognize that there are some areas within this protocol where there shouldn't be much room for opinion, and those would be things like um, how you calculate your performance, like we're trying to standardize that calculation process rather than give people room to, to, to mess with the numbers and so on and so forth. And the core is kind of where, you know, the non-negotiable part. And then we believe that there is really should be um, room for flexibility and opinion, depending on different people's needs and desires. And we outsource that part into modules. So we have this concept of um, module classes, and a module class could be something like exchanges, price feeds, um, risk management, compliance, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and we basically, we are building the first suite of modules, but basically it's a completely permissionless uh, open source code or software where people can add modules in their area of expertise. So if you're, for, for example, a risk management expert and you wanted to contribute code to that, you could do that under your own brand and so on and so forth. Or if you were Reuters and you've got, you know, a great track record and experience in, in, um, in data, provi data provision, you could, you could build a price feed module, for example. And the user just comes along and takes the core and then mixes and matches the modules that he or she wants and puts them together 
deploys this as a smart contract to the blockchain, and then basically has you know has a has a code encoded structure by which they can then manage their fund. Okay. So, how does Millimport then utilize the Ethereum blockchain, and and why did you go with with that platform? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Ethereum is a, for um, Ethereum. I guess we like to think of uh, you know, if you think about the evolution of blockchains, Bitcoin was probably the the first one that came along in 2008, and Bitcoin introduced to us uh, it introduced to the world the idea of blockchain accounting. The next evolution from that was Ethereum, and Ethereum took the idea of blockchain accounting and the technology behind it, and it embedded an entire coding language inside it, um, making, you know, making it possible to, to encode conditions and parameters and, and all, everything you can basically do with code can now be built into blockchain technology. So this is really great when you're building um, you know, technology. You can, you, it gives you a lot more flex, flex, flexibility than we previously had with blockchain. Um, so the reason we try, we decided to to use Ethereum is because we can really leverage this coding language um, to automate a lot of processes which would traditionally uh, take a lot of time and energy. And we we have the security of the blockchain enforcing this code and making sure that people can't manipulate it or go around it in any way. Oh, interesting. I guess you can I guess you can think of Ethereum as an introduction to blockchain computing. And when you have a, a blockchain computer, the next logical step is for people to build software on the computer. So Mellonport's basically building uh, software for asset management on the blockchain computer. Okay. So Mona, who is Mellonport a good match for? What kind of businesses or, or people or companies are looking at that would make sense for them to use Mellonport? Um, so, I guess as a as a primary use case, um, the Mellonport, Mellonport, Mellon, the Mellon protocol helps lower barriers to entry. So anyone who's ever tried to set up a hedge fund or a VC fund or whatever knows how much paperwork is involved, how much time is involved, and how much cost in, is involved. You know, it can often take up to a year. It can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and um, a lot of that is because we're still using processes um, which are very uh, old-fashioned and slow and bureaucratic and a lot of this stuff can 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 be automated using code the managing process of a fund is also very expensive and it's one of the reasons that hedge funds and VC funds charge such high management fees is because they need to cover their their cost base so at the end of the day this hurts the end investor who's trying to preserve capital by investing in these funds so um, the, the largest thing we, we we think we will be able to achieve is lower barriers to entry which gives people access to a deeper talent pool, but it also reduces the, the, the running cost of a fund, which in the end of the day are going to be passed on to the saver, who's just trying to invest in funds to preserve capital. On the flip side of that, we think we can also enable developers and, and, and benefit developers who are building really cool stuff in certain domains, because we're creating an ecosystem which is open and permissionless, which means that if you have a special, per, um, you know, um, if you have a speciality, like for example, Reuters and data, or um, you know some risk management expert, and you want to you leverage your distribution, you can easily build um, code or modules in your area of ex expertise 
um, and, and insert it into the Madam protocol and benefit on the back of that as well. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to put this into my world of layman's terms here. Okay. All right. So when it comes to the companies that are using the Milliport services, some of the things that you just talked about, those are clearly the benefits of, of using the Milliport platform versus some others. What are, are there other competitors out there doing the same thing that you all are doing? Not that we're aware of. We know of a few people who are trying to build um, digital asset funds or crypto funds um, out there. We don't know many people who are focusing on the back end. All we're trying to do is build great back end technology. We're not so concerned about, we're not concerned about, um, you know, setting up a fund ourselves or running a fund or we're not trying to, you know, consult or anything like that. We're just building an open source uh, technology, which is free and open for all. And I guess, no, in, we, we've seen a lot of people working on the front end trying to, to build, you know, crypto hedge funds or digital asset hedge funds. Um, but we haven't seen so much as people using smart contract technology to o operate the um, the operational back office and, and like say the machine that runs the hedge fund in the background, um, which usually takes a lot of human capital and a lot of middlemen. Um, and so I think as far as we know, we're currently, you know, one of the only players, the only players in the space. And we're hopefully building it out in a way where we will, we will stay, um, you know, it, it's very, the, the incentives for starting something like what we're doing from the ground zero are on your own today are very low because joining our protocol is almost as beneficial as starting from zero. Um, so I, I, you know, we've tried to be as inclusive as possible and as open as right. possible. And we've, we've created a lot of incentives for people who, who do develop onto our protocol. So if you came on it, just walk me through, I, I'm wanting to get involved. What does it mm -hmm. look like from the ground up as a, a beginning user? How much knowledge and, and user awareness do I have to have to work with you guys? You, you do have to uh, you do have to have an awareness and um, a knowledge in fund management. Um, you have to, you know, initially we're building this software. Given it's blockchain software, we're restricted to, um, you know, if, if we want to use this technology in a very secure way, we're restricted to assets which uh, which are inherent to blockchain. So the the asset pool you can invest in is limited to crypto or digitalized assets on the blockchain. Um, so initially, target users are crypto hedge fund managers or crypto people who want to build a track record and prove that they are good at managing um, crypto assets and can pro provide a good return with low volatility or lower volatility than most. And, um, you know, you, 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 the, the things you would need to set up a fund, the money and time goes down quite dramatically, but the, you still need to know how to manage your risk, given that you're shifting your trust in custodian and fund administrators or people who usually you know check things and double check things and do things manually for you you're shifting that trust to code and to blockchain technology you also need to make sure that you can check the code and audit the code and make sure um, it will do um, what it's telling you it will it will do so i think um, you, you sort of have to be proficient or have someone with you who's proficient in code and and you also have to you know um, make sure you're 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 complying with your kind of jurisdiction and 
legal requirements locally. Are there other platforms or technologies that Melonport is working on that we may see some things, you know, coming down the line? Uh, we're not operating a platform, we're just building technology. However, we are speaking to interested parties who, who are keen to use the technology we're building for their own use cases, and we're exploring ideas and potential um, ways, you know, to guide them into how, how to use the technology. But we fully expect that, you know, this is, this is like any open source protocol, you know, we, we fully expect people to do their own homework, to build, you know, We'll have a we'll have an initial set of um, code out there, which is quite standard, and we expect everyone who needs uh, to tweak that for their own use cases or needs to build on top of that. Um, and as as we're building it in such a modular way, it's very easy to take the parts you need and then build it. You know, build the part that that you need that's not there. You can you can just build it and plug it in quite easily. Um, so, so I think we're getting interest from a wide range of users. Some of them are just individuals who, who want to, you know, who who want to prove to the world that they can um, create a track record. Uh, it's auditable. It's visible. It doesn't cost very much to set up, especially if they're proficient in coding and can understand blockchain technology. It becomes very easy for them to do this. Um, and then we're getting the other side of the spectrum: really large institutional interest. Um, just because these guys realize um, how much of their cost base is spent on an annual basis um, is just completely consumed by um, operations and fund administration costs that they have to pass on to the end to their end clients. Um, and this, this is you know the technology we're building is potentially very disruptive to um, to this middle segment kind of operation back office type. Um, role, which you know typically consume more than 50% of a hedge fund or VC fund's cost base. Um, so this can almost entirely be eliminated. And if you're a very scaled up institution, you know this is a huge amount of cost to be extracting out of a business. So a lot of them have their eyes on this um, kind of technology, and and you know and we're you know obviously very keen to see where it's going. The other cool thing about this uh, technology is whilst it's only applicable to crypto assets at the moment, you know, you might say to me, well, a lot of people don't care about crypto assets. And I think there's two fundamental beliefs that we have, um, which which we would push back on on this. And the first is that we believe that uh, crypto or digital assets is an asset class in the rising. You know, if you think about um, how resistant people were to um, ETFs 40 years ago, you know, people thought they were literally uninvestable until John Bogle pioneered the way in the ETF market. And if you think about um, junk bonds, even, you know, I think in the 1980s, um, they were also seen as uninvestable as an asset class until Mike Milken pioneered the way and set up the first um, junk, bond, junk bond hedge fund and became the richest man in the world. And even 20 years ago, commodities were seen as untouchable until Goldman Sachs built the first GSDI index. And now everyone invests in commodities or diversifies to some degree. So we really believe that crypto is the new asset class and it's being resisted by a lot of people, but we believe it's, that it's getting harder and harder to ignore as an asset class because it's uncorrelated to every other asset class in a world where correlation is, is at its highest in a really long time. And it's also been outperforming every asset class if you've picked a basket of good crypto assets in the last couple of years. So a lot of people have their eyes on this. Um, and then the other very interesting thing is that 
whilst our initial goal is to, to have this as an infrastructure for crypto assets, a lot of real-world assets are becoming blockchainized or collateralized on the blockchain or even issued on the blockchain. So as an example, um, we now have gold. We have two different companies I know of at least that are um, that are that have collateralized gold on the blockchain. So you can now trade tiny shares of gold um, with with you know digits, for example, or um, ten fiat currencies now have been collateralized on the blockchain. So you can trade euros and sterling and yen and different currencies now using blockchain technology. Um, I'm also hearing that there's a couple of real estate funds which are close to issuing um, real estate funds on the blockchain. And we're also in talks with, uh, or we're aware of a couple of uh, companies who are working on issuing equities on the blockchain. So if you think, if you take second fundamental belief that everything else, as all real world and traditional assets are also fast becoming um, available on the blockchain, then you can take this technology and then start to apply it to other types of funds and other types of asset classes. And then it becomes really interesting as a, as a, as a value proposition as well. Wow. Okay. That's, that is incredible. <laughs> Tell me Mona, a little bit about the, I've seen it a few times when I've been, you know, kind of doing the research, not only on your company, but I've just happened upon it. Tell me about the Melonport yeah. token sale and what that actually is and what that allows users to do. Uh, so we, um, we had a Melon contribution period where we allowed, uh, we allowed uh, uh, certain people to, to uh, contribute to the two-year development project that we've just, uh, mm -hmm. just started. Um, we, we think about the project in three phases. We completed phase, uh, phase one um, last year. Um, we've just started phase two. So the, the contributions we raised were for the second phase of the, the period and this is a, of the project. And this is basically um, engaging in two major security audits and further building out the code. Um, and also uh, completing the formal specifications. And the third contribution period may take place early next year, and that would be to complete phase three. The idea of the Melon token is twofold. Uh, one, it's, um, it's a usage token, and the idea is that um, using the Melon protocol will be uh, extremely low cost. There will be a, a small licensing fee that a software licensing fee that will give uh, limited usage to the protocol and that will be um, delivered in Melon token from the user. So users will need Melon token in order to access the protocol, the, the latest version and the most up-to-date version. And on the flip side of that, developers will earn Melon token for contributing future code that's useful to the Melon protocol. So in a way, the token just allows us to create a little ecosystem which incentivizes the developers um, to develop modules um, and also incentivizes users to use it because compared to um, you know, traditional ways of, of um, managing uh, crypto assets, this is much cheaper and, and more secure. Okay, so in Phase two and phase three are still happening, are still, I guess, on the, in the yeah, work. Yeah, so we've horizon. just, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've just started phase two, which is, um, it's kicked off with a, a major security audit that we've just started. We expect that the first one to last for four months. And in the meantime, we're developing 
uh, new modules, building out the team, and then we're preparing for the second audit, hopefully before the end of this year. Okay, oh, that's incredible. And lastly, I'm, I'm kind of curious, Mono, you have been in this for, for some time now. You've worked in the technologies. Where do you see, well, first, where do you see Melonport in five, ten years from now, um, along with the Ethereum, you know, blockchains and things like that? Where do you see this technology going and expanding to? Oh, my God, I would be such a bad predictor. Uh, this space <laughs> moves so quickly. This space moves so quickly. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's almost impossible to predict. And it's also one of the exciting things about being right in the middle of it. Um, but I suppose if I had to take a guess, I would say, you know, people are waking up to the efficiencies and the beauties of blockchain, which allows you to, you know, automate a lot of a lot of stuff, which typically takes a lot of time and costs a lot of money in a very secure way. And I think the first wave we're seeing already is, you know, everyone wants to link real world assets to blockchain. And that's great for us because the more assets we have which are tradable on blockchain, the more um, options a Melon protocol user has, you know, in terms of managing digital assets. So it, it could be that one day, you know, unlike today, where if you if you collect wine, you have to, you know, you have to have a, uh, you know, st somewhere where you store wine. If you have art, you need to, to store it in a gallery or something. If you have uh, equities, you need a broker where you keep your equities, et cetera, et cetera. With blockchain, it could be that one day you have a melon portfolio where you can literally store everything, have truly diversified portfolio where you can store everything from wine to art to equities to bonds to uh, crypto assets to, you know, intellectual property. Um, and all of that can be managed securely in one portfolio on the blockchain. And you don't need to worry about having a hundred different, um, you know, accounts and storage and passwords and whatever. Um, so that's maybe, you know, one vision that I would see Melonport, Melon Protocol users maybe having in 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other vision we have is, you know, currently we're seeing, you mentioned Ethereum before, and we, we're huge fans of Ethereum, and it's allowed us the flexibility to do what we're doing right now. But we're also seeing a lot of other blockchains emerge all over the place. You know, we've seen... JP Morgan trying to build their own blockchain. We've seen IBM try to build their own blockchain. Um, I think uh, Microsoft are working on something. There's uh, Hyperledger. There's uh, Tezos coming out later this year. Um, it, it seems like almost every day I'm hearing of a new blockchain that's coming out. And and we think that that's a normal part of the you know the, the evolution of this um, technology. You know, people are building things for their own use cases. Some blockchains are faster. Some have more privacy. Some um, some are private within a consortium. Some work on proof of stake. Some, um, you know, some are proof of authority. It, you know, it, it, everyone's building stuff that suits their own needs. And we think that's absolutely fine. We actually try to be as blockchain agnostic as possible. Um, so we believe that um, in the end, or, you know, the next logical evolutionary step will be that all these blockchains will be able to communicate with each other in a kind of Internet of blockchains um, in the same secure way that blockchain technology can communicate within itself, that you'll be able to communicate blockchain to blockchain through a very secure communication mechanism. And we think that's just starting to happen. The, you know, the research for that is starting to get really interesting now. We're starting to see some proof of concepts and we think within a couple of years 
we'll have kind of an internet of blockchains which allows all of these little hubs instead of being fragmented and isolated to communicate with one another and then that takes the idea to a whole nother level you know then you really start to see how big this idea can come because you know whatever jp morgan is doing on their chain might one day be able to interact with um someone who's doing something on the ethereum blockchain and so on and so forth that would be huge. I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> that, that would be huge. Yeah. Yeah. How, what is the best way for someone that is interested in working with Melonport? How can they get in touch with you? What are the, the best ways, I guess, to begin the whole process as startup? We're, I mean, we're very open and easy to reach. We have a, a, a chat room. Um, which we operate uh, at chat.melonport.com. Um, our team is often in there and people are always asking questions on how to develop using Melon Protocol or questions on how they'll be able to use it. And um, we're also very easily accessible on um, admin at melonport.com. Um, and, you know, we're very involved and engaged with the community. George Hallam, uh, our most recent hire who runs business development, um, is very engaged with the community and keeps uh, everyone updated on Twitter. And, chat, um, and and the Slack chats and um, all social media venues. So, you know, we're always open to hearing ideas from people. We're always uh, definitely looking to hire um, and definitely looking to form interesting cooperation. So if anyone out there um, is intrigued by what they've heard, we'd love to hear from them. Well, I want to thank you again for your time, Mona. It really was a pleasure. And we look forward to seeing what Melonport and what you you know, where you go in the next few years and seeing what happens with this this entire, you know, world of the blockchains and Ethereum. And, and like you said, the the blockchain of Internet things would be quite interesting to see. So who knows? Maybe you guys will be the, the forerunners in that field as well. Absolutely. I did warn you that I'm not a good predictor, so don't take me for granted on that. But it would be great to see. Um, thanks very much for having us on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And again, this is Mona Elisa of Mill Import, and we wish you a great day, Mona. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.